one of the recurring themes that you find throughout the course of the Bible is this notion of unity and diversity, right? So think, for example, of the book of Genesis, right? The story of our first parents, Adam and Eve. So before the fall, what do we find? Adam and Eve are equal but different, different but complementary. Or to use a slightly different example, think about the events of Pentecost, as we find in the Acts of the Apostles. And so basically, in the aftermath of the Lord's ascension into heaven, the Holy Spirit descends upon the disciples in a really powerful sort of way in the context of the upper room, as a result of which, what happens? They become brave, but more to the point, they're able to speak in such a way that everyone can understand them, each in their own native tongue. And again, what do we find in this, but this notion of unity and diversity? which speaks to the fact that the Christian community at her best has both elements at full tilt. Again, radical unity and radical diversity. Now, of course, all this might sound kind of great in theory, but it still kind of begs the question, what does this all look like kind of practically speaking? And so given all that, I thought it may be kind of helpful now to talk about precisely that, how to actually implement these ideals of unity and diversity in our regular experience of Christian community. And so with regards to this first pillar of unity, the first thing that kind of comes to mind, quite honestly, is this notion of commitments. This idea that no matter what happens, I will never leave you and I will never give up on you. And so to illustrate the point, a long time ago, Walt Disney, back when he was still alive, he wanted to make this anthology film based on the various short stories of Hans Christian Andersen. You know, so stories like The Little Matchstick Girl, The Little Mermaid, and so on and so forth. But he never did it, right? And the stumbling block for him and his company was this notion of the Snow Queen. And so, without going into a whole lot of detail, Walt Disney's central problem with regards to the story of the Snow Queen was that he couldn't figure out a way to make the Snow Queen a sympathetic character. And so, instead of sort of going ahead and making this anthology film, he decided to kind of put the whole project on hold until he could resolve this central problem, again, involving the Snow Queen. And you see, what's interesting is that how they eventually solved this particular problem was that they eventually decided to make the Snow Queen the sister of the main protagonist of the film. And as a result, the story of the Snow Queen eventually became its own standalone film, which eventually became Walt Disney's Frozen. But again, the reason why I raised this particular example is because it's a really good illustration of this notion of commitment that we're kind of raising at the outset. And so again, just to kind of think it through, if the Snow Queen is now the sister of the main protagonist, then she's no longer this abstract other. She's no longer this monster or dragon on top of the mountaintop that you're called to slay, but instead she's a member of the family. And so therefore, given the virtue of commitment, I can't give up. I can't run away from my sister, but instead we need to come together to work out this particular problem which we're facing together as a family, which obviously is in service of the underlying pillar of unity. But that brings us to the second thing I want to talk about with regards to this pillar of unity. And basically the idea here is this notion of solidarity. This idea that regardless of what the particular problem is, it's not simply my problem, it's not simply your problem, but instead it is always our problem. And so the example that comes to mind, I remember years ago listening to this talk by this American priest, Father John Ricardo, where he was talking about like something. At the end of which, there was this informal Q&A. And basically, in the context of this Q&A, this person kind of stood up and, and kind of asked Father John this question that, in retrospect, was sort of rhetorical in nature. And so basically what he said to Father John was like, look, um, are we doing enough to deal with the scourge of abortion? And if you look back, it was, again, this rhetorical question. And so basically what he was looking for from Father John was that Father John would simply say, well, no, I guess we're not doing enough, at which point the person would sit down and feel satisfied that he kind of made his point. But actually, it's kind of interesting. Father John certainly acknowledged that yeah, as a society, we're certainly not doing enough to deal with this particular issue. But then he went on to say this. Whenever it comes to any sort of complex societal problem like abortion, we always need to look at not so much as my problem or your problem or even this other person's problem, but every single time we need to look at it as our problem. 
such that we might be able to look back and say, look, we resolved this problem, certainly by the grace of God, but also by working together in complementary ways with this great spirit of solidarity. Okay, but that brings us to the second pillar of Christian community that I want to talk about today. And again, this is the notion of diversity. And so with regards to diversity, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is that we need to recognize as a Christian community that diversity truly is a gift. And so to illustrate the point, think about the example of Pope Francis. And so even if you've just been following Pope Francis kind of informally over the years, you've probably noticed that he has a habit of making really kind of provocative statements in the context of various informal interviews on airplanes and whatnot, which kind of begs the question, like, why is he doing this, right? Well, this is just kind of a guess, but I think the reason why he's doing this is because he's trying to encourage discussion on a ground level. And there was, I think, a lot of times Pope Francis is very deliberately making provocative statements in the public forum to encourage people to share their experiences, to share their opinions, to come up with complex solutions to equally complex problems. And even though, generally speaking, perhaps we're not really used to this type of approach as a Christian community, at the same time, hopefully, ideally, you can kind of see what he's driving at. Again, this notion that diversity is not so much meant to be a threat, but it's meant to be a gift. A gift which is meant to foster authentic, healthy dialogue about complex societal issues as a Christian community. But that brings us to the final thing I want to say with regards to this notion of diversity. And basically the idea here is to make a really important distinction between argument on the one hand and being argumentative on the other. And so without getting overly technical here, perhaps you might say that argument is based very much on reason, logic, and observation, whereas being argumentative, not so much, right? So yelling, screaming, name-calling, personal attacks, kind of making decisions based on the fact that, you know, this is what we've always done, or most people think we should do this as opposed to that. And the basic takeaway message here is that when it comes to dealing with really complex problems facing the church or facing society, we need to learn as an important prerequisite to talk to each other. We need to learn how to argue with each other as opposed to simply being argumentative. Okay, one final thought, and I'll kind of end with this. So all this talk about unity and diversity, um, the thing I want to impress upon you is that it doesn't have implications simply for our problem-solving ability as a Christian community, but it also has really important implications for how we understand our eternal destiny. And so they also the point by way of an analogy. Think about the various parables of Jesus Christ. And in particular, those parables dealing with workers and vineyards, where on the face of it, these parables are all about productivities and efficiencies. And you see, the thing I want to impress upon you is that the common denominator with regards to this particular subcategory of Jesus' parables is that when it comes to the end of the story, you realize in retrospect that it wasn't about productivities and it wasn't about being efficient, but instead the Lord was putting these different characters in the story in very particular situations to reveal the ultimate truth of who they ultimately were. But you see, if you think about it, this speaks to our eternal destiny in Christ, and in particular to the final judgment. And so the whole idea is this. When it comes to the final judgment, what is it that we have to offer to the Lord ultimately at the end of the day? Not so much the things we produced, because again, think about the parables, they're not really about productivities or efficiencies. No, instead, all we will have to offer to the Lord at the end of our lives is who we finally become as a result of the various choices we've made in our lives, particularly when it comes to the moral life. And you see, the thing I want to impress upon you is that at that moment, we will realize in retrospect just how valuable our community was helpful in terms of forming us to the persons that God was calling us to be. Certainly the unitive aspect, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ walking arm in arm and common virtue and that sort of thing, but also the diversity aspects, right? Diversity in terms of conversation and problem solving, but also diversity in terms of the difficult people in our lives. These are the people whose very presence invited us to grow, to stretch, to become holy, almost against our own will. And so given all that, the challenge for all of us right now is to remember this point right now, long before the final judgments, 
to recognize the value of both unity and diversity in the context of our own particular community. And may God bless you all.